Howdy folks and welcome to the Dirt Road Cowboys Christian Podcast. My name's Dean, also known as the Dirt Road Cowboy. Whether this is your first time here or whether you're a repeat listener, I want to thank you for coming along and listening to what I have to say. First thing I want to talk about is the Kingdom of God. Well, I want to apologize for saying Kingdom of God so much because as of September of 2009, God's Kingdom has become an empire. So now we'll talk about the Empire of God. I just thought I needed to mention that, get it out there, because I believe God wanted me to say it. So, now that we said that, let's talk about why did God create Lucifer? I know a lot of people think that we'd be a whole lot better off without him, and I wholeheartedly agree. We'd be in a perfect place without him. But there's no going back in time. There's no changing anything. We can only go forward. So, Lucifer. The word itself means light bearer. Apparently, according to the scriptures, I mean, we see that he was the most beautiful angel and everything else, but he wasn't the firstborn. He wasn't the first created angel either. There was a whole category of angels that were created before him that he never even knew about because God in his wisdom foresaw there could be problems. So he created an entire class of angels called the avenging angels and kept them hidden until recent times. So Lucifer, the light bearer, kind of got wrapped up in his own self got prideful, thought he could be seated above God. From what we're told, he was the original worship leader. And maybe that all went to his head, and he thought that he deserved all that praise for all the singing and everything else that he was doing. I know there are worship leaders like that today, too. And they cause splits in churches. But we're not going to go into that one in this particular teaching. But the name of Lucifer, Lightbearer, gives us a hint as to why he was created. To bring enlightenment. To bring the light of God. But who was he supposed to bring it to? There was no one else at the time. It's because he had originally planned that Lucifer was going to have a job. And that job wasn't to just sit there and get all the praise and glory and think that everyone was singing worship songs to him. When God created man, he knew that man would need someone to kind of teach him, show him the ropes. So who better than Lucifer, the light bringer? I know that sounds a bit strange, but I really believe that Lucifer was supposed to be Adam and Eve's guardian angel, their teacher. And Lucifer didn't like it one bit. All of a sudden, he went from being this wonderful, glorious angel who thought that everything should be headed toward his direction. And now he's a servant for these things that God made out of mud. It really didn't sit too well with him. It reminds me of the story in Esther of Haman and Mordecai, where Haman, being close to the king... He thought that he was the big man, number two, right next to the king. Well, there was a time when the king couldn't get to sleep. So he was reading through some of the history of recent events and everything, like catching up on the newscasts that you missed out on. And he noticed that there was a man who had saved his life, and he didn't even know about it. The man's name was Mordecai. So he goes up to Haman, and Haman didn't know what was on his mind here. And he asks Haman, what should the king do for someone that he wants to honor? And show his gratitude toward. Well, Haman thought that the king was talking about him. So he's like, oh, well, you ought to dress him in your finest clothes and have him paraded around on the best horse and everything else and have people shouting out to him that he's so great and he's so wonderful and you should have him highly exalted because Haman thought that's what's going to happen to him. King turned around and said, you got a great idea. I want you to do that for Mordecai the Jew. And Haman's jaw probably dropped down to the floor. He hated Mordecai because Mordecai wouldn't bow to him. And now 
He has to do exactly what he said should be done. He had to parade Mordecai around on the best horse and talk about how great and how wonderful he was. And all the time, it was just burning him up. Kind of reminds you what happened to the devil. He hated the fact that God honored Adam and Eve, that they were his kids. Lucifer was just a creation. Adam and Eve were created too, but they were created in the image and likeness of God. The angels never were. So that kind of burned Lucifer big time. He hated it. He didn't want to serve these creatures. He wanted to rule. But see, he also knew God's plan for humankind was to take over all of creation. These beings were supposed to grow, multiply, and spread throughout all of creation. Well, that's what the devil didn't like at all. Lucifer thought that that should all belong to him. When God explained it to him, it burned at him. And this iniquity that was found in him was not put there by God, but by his own free will, his own pride, his own arrogance. The angels have free will. They can choose whether to follow God or turn to the evil. It doesn't go well for them if they rebel against God, but God gives them the choice. Otherwise, they couldn't have fallen. They would have just been mindless puppets. Angels also get to choose the people that they're going to work with. They get a say-so in who they're being assigned to. These angels have their own individual personalities. I've met a few of them, and I can tell you that they are not all the same. And the angels told me that they get to choose, based on someone's scrolls of destiny, if you want to call it that, their call and their purpose on their life. If it aligns with the angel's heart and his desires, then he'll want to serve that person in order to help them fulfill their joint destinies. The angels also get to see some of the possible difficulties that are going to come against them. And sometimes the angels will not want to go along with that. And they'll be assigned to do something else to help the people, but they won't be like their guardian angel or their guide or anything. But they may work farther down the line to bring things in line for that person's destiny. Okay, so that's a little bit about the angels. We'll get back to talking about Lucifer. He knew about God's plan for mankind, like I said, and he was supposed to teach it to them, but he didn't. He kept it hidden. He kept them ignorant. He deceived them. He knows about what we call psychic powers, because he was supposed to teach it to people. But what he ends up doing now is he takes what was originally meant for people to have these abilities. He sells it back to them at the cost of their eternity. If they choose to reject God and follow just these gifts that are inherent to man, he'll get them to believe that there is no God or they don't need a God or the universe is God. And it costs them big time to get something that originally belonged to them. That's part of his deception. It's a very high price. It's an eternal price. But man was made in the image and likeness of God. He fell. He's no longer in that image and likeness. He became in the image and likeness of his father, Satan. People still take that one scripture in Genesis where it says that man was made in the image and likeness of God, and they teach that it applies today. But it doesn't. Man fell after that scripture. He was created in the image and likeness of God. He was perfect, but he fell from perfection no longer in the image and likeness of God. But they teach it today. Man was made in the image and likeness of God. All of man are still in the image and likeness of God. And that leads people to hell. That's part of the new age law of attraction type teaching that pulls people away from God and leads them straight to the gates of hell because they don't believe they need a savior. If you're made in the image and likeness of God, what do you need saving from? You're perfect. You're like God. And that's the delusion that people are under. There's also people that say that in the end, everyone will be forgiven, including Lucifer, Satan. But that's not true. He'll never be forgiven because he was never tempted by any outside force. 
He created sin. That was the only thing that he created. He perverted righteousness into sin. So it really wasn't creation as a perversion. And that's all he ever does is perverts things, twists things. So where were we? When Adam and Eve were deceived by Satan, their light became darkness. Their life force became death. God told them, if they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they'll die. Scripture says that day they shall surely die. And people say, oh, well, then it just means a spiritual death, not a physical death. Because it's obvious that they didn't fall dead that day. But then we read later on in one of the epistles of Peter that a day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. And Adam lived to be 930 years or something like that. So it falls within that technical day. Fooled Satan there too. He thought that he was going to drop dead immediately. And when he didn't, he started going around propagating that God lies. Anything that he can to twist people. And another falsehood, people think that there was a snake in that tree tempting Eve. Well, the Bible never says that. The Bible refers to the serpent, but that's just a reptilian creature. You know, kind of like a dinosaur or whatever it could be too. But later on, we see the devil referred to as the dragon. I really believe that it was a dragon in the garden. A very beautiful creature with legs and wings and everything else. Shining, beautiful scales, everything. Beautiful creature. And I think that he was deceived by the great deceiver into allowing Lucifer to possess him. Obviously, Lucifer couldn't go in there and tempt Adam and Eve, not in his natural form, because they'd seen him. They'd know better. So he went in there in the form of a dragon, probably munching on some of the fruit himself, because the Bible says that Eve saw that it was good to eat. How could she see it unless she saw someone eating it or she tried it herself? But she didn't. She saw that it was good to eat before she ate. So obviously this dragon was sitting there chowing down on it. Another thing that I have to back this up is that in both Eastern and Western cultures, there's mention of dragons. In Western culture, the dragon is an evil creature, must be destroyed. But in Eastern cultures, in Oriental cultures, the dragon is revered as the one who brings wisdom and knowledge, as in from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That shows a common ancestry with people. So now, when Adam and Eve sinned, there was a complete phase shift. Light became darkness. Good became evil. It was a twisting because they came under the control of Lucifer, Satan, the adversary. The so-called universe that the New Age Law of Attraction people talk about as being their God is actually cut off from the true God who created it. They're worshiping the creation as the creator. But a creation can't create itself. It has to be an outside force creating creation. Therefore, the universe is not God. But there are a lot of Christians today that believe that it is. Believe that it's the same thing. And they're deceived into doing all kinds of evil acts, things that separate them from God, by believing in the deception of the New Age. It's being very widely spread throughout the world. The universe actually became out of phase with God the moment that sin entered in. It's very possible that that's why God was asking Adam, where are you? I can't see you anymore. Your light has become darkness to me. Prior to them sinning, the Bible says that Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day, which could have been all day long for all we know. They could have been walking with him quite often. We don't know exactly what the temperatures were like then, but that's another story completely. What we do see is that God starts to question them. Where are you? I'm not seeing you. You've shifted phase where you've gone invisible to me. So this universe that the law of attraction people talk about is ruled or was ruled by the devil. Now, Jesus came to give it back to us, and we're supposed to be the apostolic church. That means we're supposed to go and bring heaven to earth. We're supposed to make 
earth as it is in heaven. Not use it and abuse it like we have been doing, but change it and transform it. All of creation is crying out for the manifestation of the sons of God. We're supposed to be manifested in his image and likeness, doing the things that he did, reversing the curse, reversing the evil. Jesus is waiting for us to do that. He can't come back until everything is made ready for him. A lie of the devil says that when Jesus comes back, he'll change it. That's kept the church weak and ineffective for many, many, many years. So by being out of phase with God, there is no creative force in the universe. There has to be an outside source, an outside power source, in order to change anything. The law of the conservation of mass by Einstein states that nothing new can be created or destroyed, only changed. So nothing in this universe as we know it can be created by what's in the universe. Nothing can be destroyed, only altered by the powers that are available in this universe. But we can reach beyond that. If you're a spirit-filled Christian, you have the creative force of the Holy Spirit to bring an energy source from outside of this realm of creation. The law of attraction people attract things to themselves. The devil and his children cannot create anything. They're takers, not makers. The law of attraction, in its own wording, attracts things to it. It draws things to it. You picture what you want and you draw it to yourself. You're not creating it from inside and going out. You're pulling it in. You're like a vampire. You're just taking and taking and taking, never giving. Well, I shouldn't say you. I should say them, unless you're one of them. If you are, stop it. Don't get caught up in the law of attraction. It's not from God. That's a Luciferian counterfeit. We are supposed to bring the power of God through us and make new, not take. We're not thieves. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We've come to bring life and more abundance. We've got to be manifesting Jesus, not acting like the devil. The Bible says that the devil can only use what is common to man. That means he's stuck in the same limited realm. Those psychic powers don't come from the devil. They come from God, given to man. It was man's inherent nature to have these abilities, to be able to move things, to communicate telepathically and all this other stuff, to see into the spirit and everything else. The devil makes you think that this is something new from him. And he's gotten the church world, the religious world to believe that this stuff isn't from God. I mean, you talk about it to most church people and they'll say, oh no, that's not from God. That's from the devil. The devil can't create anything. All he does is steals and sells it back to you at a high cost. In order to create something new, you have to be connected to the source of all creation. The creative power is the Holy Spirit. Now, all things are made out of living energy. Nothing is dead or completely inert because it all originally came from God. When God said, light be, that was a spiritual subatomic energy put out there by the Holy Spirit. And that became creation. And then God spoke words that caused this living energy to obey him. It's a living energy. It obeys. Jesus even said that about the rocks starting to praise him if the people stopped. So there's a living energy in all things. Nothing ever became dead energy. There is no such thing as a dead energy. What we would think of as a dead energy would be out of phase with God, like a negative to his positive, but it doesn't ever stop. It has to stay a living energy because it was created by a living energy to be a living energy, never to stop. 
So when God created it, there was no death in him. Everything was in harmony and synchronized to God and to the Holy Spirit. Now, there was a time when people's psychic abilities, magic, whatever you want to call it, was strong. We read that Pharaoh's magicians were able to do many of the same things that Moses did, but not all of them. They were limited, but they could still do it. And what they could do was a whole lot more than the law of attraction people or anyone else can do today, because the energy level of the earth is decreasing. And that energy is needed to manifest things from the unseen realm into the seen realm, to take these subatomic forces and cause them to coalesce into something physical. Ever since the flood, when God's spirit was disconnected from the earth, the energy field of the earth has been reduced in half every 1,500 years. This has already been scientifically proven and researched. They just don't know what it means. Before the flood, demons were able to manifest. They had complete access to the earth now because it was cut off from God's direct influence. But his Holy Spirit was still connected to the earth. That's why lifespans were long, hundreds and hundreds of years, but still under a thousand years. But there was also the large creatures, the dinosaurs and everything else. And there is proof that dinosaurs and man existed at the same time. Footprints fossilized in the same mud in Glen Rose, Texas, proves it. Yes, I know there was counterfeits. Those were done to make money, but they were being counterfeited from the real thing. You can do some research on that yourself. Go to Creation Evidences Museum in Glenrose, and you can see these things. And the fossilized prints that they're finding are still being dug up. You just don't hear about that because it goes against the whole evolution myth. But because of the energy at that time, demons were able to manifest themselves in physical form and mate with human women. The Bible calls the monstrosities that were their offspring the Nephilim, the giants, the men of great renown. These were huge, evil creatures. And the Holy Spirit was being grieved that his power was being used to cause such massive evil. And God said that I'm not going to allow my spirit to be grieved any longer, and that I'm going to shorten man's days to 120 years. It doesn't say that it was going to take 120 years for Noah to build an ark like some people say said that man's lifespan would be 120 years, like Moses lived. Anyway, if you do the math in the Bible, you can see that it only took Noah 80-some years to build the ark. But God needed an uncorrupted people to be able to continue. Otherwise, if he waited, there would be no pure people left. They'd all be partial demon things. But he needed to bring the Savior into the world through the pure line of man, not through the Nephilim. So he had to put an end to things. And he disconnected the Holy Spirit from the earth. The Holy Spirit was forming what the Bible refers to as the firmament, separating waters from the sky. And when the Holy Spirit was departed, that firmament shattered and the deluge happened. It wasn't just some jolly little rain that happened for 40 days and 40 nights. This was a cataclysm that covered the entire surface of the planet. Waters were coming from below the ground and above the ground at the same time. All hell was breaking loose worse than anything that we could even imagine happening, short of possibly an asteroid hit on the earth and shattering it into billions of pieces. But you notice that after the flood, you start to see that people's lifespans were getting shorter because they were supposed to live to 120 years. I know there's a lot of people today that think that because the scripture and Psalms say that man's days should be 80 years, that that's supposed to be their maximum life limit. But that was talking about people wandering in the wilderness. 
It's talking about shortening their lifespan, the generation that couldn't cross over into the promised land. The devil's really gotten a hold of a lot of scriptures and twisted a lot of people's thinking. He's been having people die off at 80 years when a natural, non-spirit-filled human life should be 120 years. He's having them die off at 50, 60, 70, 80 years. If they make it to 90 years, they think that they're really going a long time. Folks, 60 years should be middle age, not old age. That's the midtime of a natural human life. If you're spirit-filled and you have the Spirit of God in you, the life of Christ in you, you're supposed to be putting on your immortality. That's going to shock a lot of people there. They think that God's going to do it. But the scripture says the mortal must put on immortality. didn't say that the mortal would have immortality placed upon him. The bride has to get dressed before the wedding. A bride never goes to a wedding and then has the groom dress the bride standing at the altar before the thing can commence. The bride has to be ready before the ceremony can begin. Meanwhile, the church sits back and waits for some mythical rapture bus, some form of Darbyism, to take them. And then, all of a sudden, they're just going to be magically changed. But there's nothing to support that in the Bible. If there is a rapture, if there is a catching away of the bride, then she's going to have to be ready before she could be taken away. And all the others who are just sitting around waiting for it to happen to them are going to be going through hell on earth. Like I told you before, I don't believe in the rapture. I believe that we're supposed to be here making the way for Jesus to return. Not waiting to be rescued. Not waiting to be taken away. He already did the rescue. The cross was our rescue. When you get filled with the Spirit, you are supposed to be walking in His image and His likeness. As He is, so are we in this world. But man, being led by the devil, has been taught to believe that God's going to do everything for him. Hear all these songs talking about God is in control and that I don't have to do anything except for wait for God to do something. I'll fight on my knees. Well, the Bible doesn't say that. It says having done all to stand, stand there for. Not fall down to your knees and beg God to do something for you. You do it. God has equipped you, given you power and authority. The name of Jesus, power of the Holy Spirit. It's up to us to be doing these things. We don't wait for God to do something. Just because in the Old Testament, there was a mention that the battle belonged to the Lord. Just stand back and watch as battle belongs to the Lord. Well, we've taken that as being the gospel. Well, if that was the case, we wouldn't need the armor of God, would we? Armors were fighting. If God's going to do all the fighting, we could just run around butt naked in the spirit, which is what most Christians do anyway. They don't put on the full armor of God. They don't protect themselves. They just let the devil beat them up and blame God for it. Which brings me to another question. When did Satan fall from heaven? Now, there's people that teach that there was a first creation and that Satan was cast out and infected that first creation where the dinosaurs and the caveman and blah, 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 blah. Untrue. And that God had to destroy it. And then he started a new creation all over again with the demons still running around in spiritual form on this earth just for kicks so he could have his new creation be tormented and beaten up by him for some reason. Whatever. I don't know. I don't subscribe to that theory because it's bull. According to the Bible, not according to man's twisted doctrines, when did Satan fall? Well, we read in the book of Revelation that there was a great war in heaven and that Michael fought with the dragon and the dragon cast down one-third of the stars, which are referred to one-third of the angels, and then uh, he pulled them down with him when he was cast out of heaven. Well, people think that that was before the foundation of the world, but the book of Revelation says that that was after the male child was taken up into heaven. That was Jesus' ascension into heaven. 
So sometime after Jesus ascended up into heaven was when the war was fought in heaven and the dragon was cast down and pursued the followers of the male child, trying to destroy them, but they were protected. So what did Jesus mean when he said that he saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven? It meant that he saw the future. They got really mad at him because he was talking about how he saw Abraham and Abraham saw him and rejoiced. Then he talks about seeing Satan fall. Well, all the Jews back then knew that Satan hadn't fallen yet and they thought he was crazy. And he said, before Abraham was, I am. I know the past. I know the future. I know it all. And that's when they tried to kill him. So Jesus was telling them that Satan was going to fall. They didn't know that. So now the devil is still going after Jesus' people because his time is short. Now, does the devil have his own kids? Yes. Jesus even said so. You're of your father, the devil. So, we're not all God's children. There's another myth that's been pressed. All created in the image and likeness of God, and all mankind are God's children. The brotherhood of man and the fatherhood of God. No need for a savior anywhere in that doctrine. People are born in sin. That doesn't mean that sex is sinful like some religions teach that it is. Sex outside of the marriage is sinful. But it's holy within marriage, within the marriage covenant. It's all about covenants, people. So people are born as the devil's kids. Their life energy is connected to this realm, and they're 180 degrees out of phase with God. If they connected with God's power without being made new, they self-destruct. They have a life force, their spiritual energy, which is basically like a battery. And after a while, it runs out and dies. We're supposed to be connected to a continual flow of energy. The Holy Spirit. It's like the difference between something that's battery-powered and something that's plugged into the wall. Something that's plugged into the wall is not going to run out of power. Something that's battery-powered will keep getting weaker and weaker and weaker until it finally can't operate anymore. It's dead. Their batteries are dead. Their life source is drained. Once you become a new creature, you're connected to this continual energy. The Holy Spirit. The creative force of God. It becomes your life. But Christians can be lured back to the world, and they can reconnect to that death energy of the world by breaking covenant. And that's really the only way that they can do it, is they have to break covenant. Covenant breaking is what the Bible calls a sin unto death. Not the unpardonable sin, or unforgivable sin. That's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. But the Bible says that there is a sin that leads to death, and I don't ask you to pray for that sin. Well, that sin is covenant breaking. The penalty for covenant breaking has always been death. Always has been, and always will be. That's God's command. The originator of covenants decreed that covenant breaking is death. The wages of sin is death. You break the covenant, you die, period. And any country, any civilization that has dealt with covenants and known the meaning of it realizes that it's not some contract you can weasel out of. You break the covenant, you will die. Your own family members will go after you to keep that curse from coming on them. Now, there's a book by E.W. Kenyon that talks about covenants, which I highly recommend that you read. If you don't know anything about covenants, it's a good starting point. And perhaps later on, I'll talk more about covenants, marriage covenants, God's covenants, covenants between man. They all still stand to this day. And unless specifics are made in that covenant requiring a different penalty, then covenant breaking is death. But it takes an act of free will to break a covenant. You can't just accidentally break it. No one accidentally commits adultery. No one accidentally violates God's commands. It's an act of will, your free will. You choose to do it. It's not like someone stuck their foot out in front of you while you're running and tripped you. You didn't fall into sin. You thought about it. You planned it. You did it. It's a deliberate, 
malicious action. And the penalty is death. And yes, I do know people that have died from covenant breaking. I know one of them is screaming in eternal damnation right now. Not because he broke the covenant, but the covenant death came on him before he had a chance to repent. Actually, he didn't think he needed to repent because he was one of these people that believed in once saved, always saved, and you could act like the devil and still go to heaven. Doesn't work that way. Dangerous ground. Very dangerous ground. Those are the people that Jesus will say, depart from me. I don't know you. Very scary thing. And one last thing that I want to bring up when we're talking about devils and demons and everything else, and after this we're going to close it up. When casting demons out, some people think that Jesus commanded that we're supposed to send them out into the wilderness where they can gather forces and come back and attack even stronger. Other people think that we're supposed to take them captive and bring them to the feet of Jesus and let him deal with them. I don't think you're going to be able to bring a demon into heaven anymore. They've been cast out. So don't try that scam and think you're getting away with something. We are the ones that have the power and the authority. You're supposed to bind those demons and cast them into eternal torment. Don't let them free to roam the world, to kill more people, destroy more people, to steal things from people. Bind them. Cast them into eternal damnation. People don't believe you can do that because the demons came up to Jesus and said, Have you come to torment us before the time? Well, what was that time? The end of the world? No, the cross when Jesus defeated them. Prior to the cross, all they could do is cast them out because they had a free right to be here. That right was given to them when Satan became Adam's Lord. But after Jesus took everything back, new rules went into effect. We are supposed to put them into the eternal torment. It's their home. Send them home. That's where they're going to spend eternity. Why do you think they were so terrified that Jesus was going to do it? They're afraid of that place. They don't rule hell. They don't rule the lake of fire, the eternal torment. They're terrified of it. I've heard them scream when I've cast them there before. The first time I heard it, they kind of freaked me out. I mean, the hair was raising up on the back of my neck and everything. And that's when I realized how terrified they were. When someone knows their authority in the name of Jesus, as a son or daughter of God, a child of God, to take that demon, bind it, cast it into eternal torment in Jesus' name, never to return, as they are being thrown into that fire. There is a hideous scream and the people that go there are screaming too. They're screaming out things of hate, vile things, cursing God, cursing everyone. They would love to turn in their own family if they could gain a brief bit of reprieve from that place. It's kind of like that scene in one of the Star Wars movies where Anakin and Obi-Wan were fighting. And Obi-Wan cut off Anakin's arms and legs and Anakin was being burned up by the lava screaming, I hate you. That's what people are like in hell. They're burning their flesh is melting off. They're screaming hate. Their thoughts are hate and evil because there's no goodness in hell. They're not partying with their friends. They're screaming in eternal torment. They have it all burned off. It grows back and it burns off again. It grows back and it burns off again. It never ends. It's a never-ending cycle of pain and torment. Not a place you want to be, folks. But it's a place that the devils are destined to go to. So do your part as a child of God. And throw them there so they can't bother people on this earth anymore. That's part of what we're supposed to be doing is clearing out this earth so that Jesus can come and be king of the earth. So that he can rule and reign. We're supposed to be doing the ruling and reigning with him right now. Not in some future time. If he was here physically, he wouldn't need our help, would he? No, we are to rule and reign with him now. The devil has been the one pushing everything off 
into the future to prolong his time here on the earth because he's terrified of going into that lake of fire, the eternal torment. The place was created just for him and for his angels. And he's taking a lot of his children there with him. And a lot of people that believe they were Christians are going there too. And that's where we're going to wrap it up this time, folks. This is about the longest podcast I've done yet. And I probably missed some things that I'll have to come back to later on. But I want to close with a prayer that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened to know the hope of God's calling, the glory of his presence in your life, and the riches of his inheritance in the saints. That's you. I want to invite you to stop by my website at www.dirtroadcowboy.com if you want to find out my contact information or a little bit more about me or whatever. And I'll be back in a couple more weeks and have another podcast for you. But for now, this is Dirt Road Cowboy signing out. Bye, y'all.